We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spider-Man. You get all the attention now. Ooh, I like that. Spider-Man. That might be called new nickname. Swider basket in a foul. Eddie Casey. Swider. Answer back. Swider from deep. Laces the three. Swider. And one. Count the bucket. Welcome back to the Swider Show, everyone. I appreciate Patty and Adam for holding down the fort last week. You guys did a hell of a job with Drew Carter. If you guys haven't listened to that interview, go back and listen to that interview. They did a great job. And, I mean, my first reaction to that interview, guys, was how good of a voice Drew Carter has. Yeah, he's an unbelievable uh, voice. The Celtics are in great hands because, like, he said he wants to be their announcer basically for the next 40 years, and that just means for the next 40 years they have, like, a phenomenal announcer voice in their ears for 82 times a night, so or a, a year. So, um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, he has a great voice and was obviously repping the Syracuse Orange, which I always appreciate. There's nothing always. better than just like the Syracuse Mafia that we have in the media industry. And uh, obviously, he's doing a great job with the Celtics. But, Patty, episode 56 now. Um, it's been a little while since we checked in. I mean, how, how you doing? I know I ask you this every single time we come on, but I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. You're curious? Yeah, I know we have check-ins off the show, but uh, I'm doing great, man. New York City is great. I know I miss you when yeah. you were here. But uh, we'll make up for that. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing great. I don't think the listeners care too much. I think we should maybe check in with you because there has been big things happening on the Swider front, um, both in South Dakota and in Miami, Florida. So yeah. um, I don't know. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the the G League games because there's been two since we last spoke behind the mics. Um, both went very well. I can read your stats right now. I can wait for you to answer and then read them. Um, I don't know. No, take it wherever you want to go. No, no, no need to read the stats off of the games, man. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but, but yeah, no, Sioux, Sioux Falls has been a great experience for me. Like I've, I've said before, just Kasib, Coach Kasib, the head coach of uh, Sioux Falls, has done a great job of just letting me go out there and play. I think I'm getting better every single game I go out there. So it's been good, man. I've, obviously, I've been able to shoot the ball. Like, didn't shoot the ball as well as I wanted to this this past trip, but before that, I shot at a really high level. Um, was able to get a win in the second game, played against uh, Jay Huff, former teammate Jay Huff. Played against uh, – they had a lot of their guys down. Both teams had a lot, had a lot of their guys down. So it's, it's been a good run uh, being able to play against those guys. It doesn't feel like G League action, if that makes sense. Like, the Mad Ants had Jairus Walker, who was the eighth pick in the draft down. 
They had Kendall Brown. They had uh, all, they had all three two ways. They had uh, Ben um, Ben. What's his name from uh, Belmont who, who who played a really good game against us. So it, it's been great, man. Um, going down and playing against that level of competition while, while obviously not playing in the NBA games. So um, Grand Rapids was a great test. Hunter Tyson was down. Jalen Pickett was down. Huff was down. Um, Booty ball, Jalen Pickett. Yep, yep. So uh, it, it's been a great experience down there, and I was able to get at least one of them while I was down there. The Madden's, uh, like you're saying, that everyone down. I think part of the reason is they have the best NBA team of all time currently, so they don't have enough room on the roster to have to have their two ways up and whatnot. But um, I will read your stats as you are being humble. Okay. Uh, the Schwader Show listeners might have known, but just as a reminder, we're at 25 points a game. I say we because we contribute to these stats. Mm-hmm. 25 points a game, five rebounds, four assists. We got 47, 42, 92 splits. So my first takeaway there is you're not yet at 50, 40, 90. Is that something that you're shooting for? Are you thinking of that going into each game? It's not something I'm thinking about every before every game, but that's something I want to accomplish in my career. There's not a lot of people who of course. do 50. A little 50, 40, 90 action. So um, I'm close. Last year, I could have had it. I could have had it last year, but the free throws were lacking out of, out of everything <laughs> with, with South Bay. And we, so. said, we definitely have said that on the pod. But in the G League, if you get fouled, you just shoot one free throw. One free throw, yeah. And it's tough. I mean, this year, I think I'm 11 for 12. Adam, Adam, you can, you can, uh, you can check that for me. But um, I think I'm 11 for 12 in the G League this year. And the one thing. The one free throw I missed was on a, te- a technical foul shot. So my free throw points is just minus one, if that makes sense. So uh, I could be shooting like 97% if I if I make all those free throws. You are 11 for 12. I just verified that. Yeah. One for two against... Wisconsin hurt uh, in yeah. the second game. Yeah, the Wisconsin hurt. You had 34 in that game. That's all right. Yeah. But... um. This is also something we might have explained, but for people at home, for the listeners, can you explain the uh, the schedule the last couple of weeks? Because you've been up, you've been down. Um, what is that process like? Like, I know you kind of get a, a, a general gist of when you're going to be up and down, but then as the roster changes, as there's injuries with the Heat, it seems like there can be some fluidity to it. So are you just kind of yeah, taking a, it on the fly? Yeah, there's a lot of fluidity with it. I, I remember I sent you guys the schedule – um, I think I've sent you said from both months, Patty. I know I sent Adam the schedule from this month, like, and they've been totally different both times. And I think that that comes with the G League team being in South Dakota. Um, was when South Bay were in the same facility, it wasn't that that crazy. Obviously, you could just leave for a seven day road trip or an eight day road trip out of nowhere, but for the most part, it was it was pretty planned out and it wasn't that big of a deal to get called up now if you're in, if you're in south dakota and you get called up for a heat home game that's that's a big difference so yeah you're flying across the country yeah so that's why i think i've been with the heat most of the year and uh obviously uh, i've i've really only spent seven days with sioux falls and played five games out of those seven days so it's, it's been a good experience just to go down there play some games and obviously be be here with the Heat and, and keep on learning from Spo. Keep on learning from all these different guys, and um, it's been a great experience so far. Um, in the games that you've been with the Heat, you guys big win last night against the Hornets. Um, future friend of the show, Dunker Robinson, still lit it up. But I think in following 
you know, he Twitter, the fan base, getting a pulse for what they're talking about right now. I think a, a huge storyline is, is Jaime Jaquez and him being probably a top three rookie to this point. I know Reddick had that, yeah. that clip where he was saying the third best rookie. If he's not third, like, you could argue him or Arso Thompson, whatever, but he's definitely up there. He's been one of the better rookies in the entire league. Definitely. I think a lot of people could have seen that coming, given that he was a perfect fit for like heat culture and what everyone talks about. But what do you think is from the like being behind closed doors? What has been the main factor for his success? I say this all the time. I think Jaime has one of the best basketball senses I've ever seen in my life. Every single cut, he gets like a wide open layup. Every single offense rebound just like kind of like falls into his hands. He's always in the right spot. He's always getting his hands on, like hands on balls, getting deflections. Um, just very active on both sides of the floor. Like it's so funny. Like like me and Nikola Jovic are always like laughing on on the sideline because he'll just get a wide open layup and just like out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like we always talked about. We joked about it when. Uh, Jordan Miller, obviously a great player at Miami, but we were always like, this guy gets like 18 points off of just layups. You know yeah, I mean? just like, like randomly all of a sudden, like, oh, Miller's just laying the ball in with no one within 10 feet of him. And like you watch a full basketball game and no one else, that doesn't happen to anyone else. But at some point, it's not coincidence. It's like actually a skill. Oh, it's 100% a skill. And it's an incredible yeah. basketball sense. And and for example, like I remember in one of the games, uh, Jay Rich went up for a dunk. He missed it. Jaime's just right there. Just boom. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy the sense that he has. And obviously, there's an IQ that goes along with it. And uh, he plays every game very hard. And, like, it's his last. And I think he has a great, like, he has a great mindset of, like, nothing is too serious in his mind. So he's able to just to get on to the next play and just be very, very present. And I think that's a skill that he may not even know that he has. But I recognize it in, in, a, right. in, a, in a very, like, it's it's very clear to me that of how present he is in the moment, if that makes sense. Do you, being a four-year college guy, do you think that contributes a lot to, to his success at this point? Because um, we actually haven't mentioned it at this point, but we did have, or, uh, in a few minutes you will hear from the best point guard in the nation. It is Tyler Kolick. He made his return. Um, but... Even off camera, I think he mentioned Hakez having success, and he's like, that might be like a benefit for me. Like guys look at him, and he, they're like, I played in a bunch of big games. Hakez at UCLA was in the same type of role. Like he's there for four years. You're kind of more seasoned. Do you think that um, like went into the evaluation of why that he wanted him, and ultimately why you're saying he has like such a good basketball sense? No, I, I do, and I think that he showed everything that he's doing now. He showed in college, and and one mm -hmm. thing, don't let me don't let me forget. He has unbelievable footwork, and you can tell that he puts a lot of time into his into his craft when it comes into his footwork. And some of that is his sense of being able to get around people and and, and read people's weight on the like seeing people how they're on the front of their toes or little imbalances in, in the way that they, they guard them. But a lot of it has to do with just just his like the work that he puts into it. So, mm -hmm. but, but I I'll go back to your question. They uh. Spo used to say all the time when describing Jaime in press conferences, just talking to the team, that he thinks that playing in the NCAA tournament, making those deep runs, like playing those meaningful games matters. Like, like that's like the NBA playoffs. That's like the game sevens. That's the right. So, so for him, that translated. And one thing that I loved about the Miami pick of Jaime is that 
if Jaime was available as a sophomore coming out, they probably would have signed him as a two-way, right? And they would have developed him into the player that he is now. Like they didn't go, they didn't go for the the pick that was the young guy who who's going to take a year to develop. They they picked a guy who was ready now and a guy they they would have picked up as a two-way two years ago or a year ago if he was mm-hmm. on the market in that sense. So I think uh, he's just a great great fit. He obviously plays really well with our stars. And uh, you can kind of plug and play him anywhere on the team. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he can literally play in any lineup and do – he just figures it out. No matter what, like, he needs to do, he just kind of figures out how to be effective and valuable and just does that exact thing for that game. And I even think, like, he only played in one preseason game, but even in the one preseason game, he was the best player on the court for, like, the end of the Charlotte game. And, like, he played that role really, really well. And then that now he's played every single role that you could possibly think of really, really well mm-hmm. in in the season so far. Yeah. Um you just gotta be like the best to play with. I've never played with him personally, but I'm sure he could speak to that moving forward. Um but the bigger the other biggest thing in uh the basketball world that we haven't talked about with you is the in season tournament. I know you explained the format once upon a time on the show, but since then, I feel like it really blew up the quarterfinal, the semifinal, the final, like just a smashing success. I feel like like it's it's very rare that NBA fans and like everyone who's who's kind of like paying attention to this stuff night to night and really, really cares, agrees on something. And it seemed like the sense was for the most part, like this is actually this rules. Like I want this to be a thing every single year. Yeah, it was a success. I, I think Adam Silver and the NBA rules committee and everyone did a great job of creating this tournament. I think it's one that's going to just continue to grow over time. And I think just like seeing like how many of these guys were took it serious and you couldn't write any better than LeBron winning it. And right. I, I think that had a big reason of why it was so successful and the viewing, is, viewing was what it was. Is it all bittersweet seeing the Lakers win? No, no, it's not, it's not bittersweet. Flat now? No, no, it, it's a, uh, they obviously did a good job. They won. Um, yeah. Would I it have doesn't affect five, you at all. Yeah. Would I have liked the 500K? Yeah, I would have loved that. But it's, uh, yeah, they did a good job. I mean, the situation now is better. The other big thing is uh, Halliburton. Where are you ranking Halliburton now? I saw a lot of discourse around that. But he. the other thing about the in-season tournament is usually you have to wait for a playoff moment for someone to really, like, even um, – you know, compared to like SGA last year, he completely broke out and he had like a similar arc to how Halliburton is now. But since he didn't really have the, the playoff moment, I feel like he wasn't leading Sports Center. They weren't talking about him at first take. But the in season tournament gave Halliburton this moment in late November, like slash early December, where it's like, is Halliburton a top eight guy now? Like, would you take him over anyone else for the next six years? So I don't know. It's pretty neat how that happened. But my question to you is where where are you ranking Halliburton at this point? I mean, he's got to be a top four point guard, three point guard. Yeah. Right? Like, you're comparing him and De'Aaron Fox, and I, I would put them in a pretty similar category of like three, four. Um, right. Probably go Steph, Shea, and then like I don't, I don't know who do you rather have, Shea or Tyrese Halliburton? That's I, I think that's the toughest question right now. I texted that to you and Jimmy, but for the next like five years, would you rather have SGA or Halliburton? It's literally like a dead heat. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like, 
And I like both rosters that surround them too. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it, it's one thing to be like very talented players, but it's another thing to have like very complementary pieces around you. And I think Indiana, like there was a lot of talk about them trading Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. But I think those two guys complement Tyrese better than Perfect. anyone. And yeah. Bruce compliments him really well. And I, I saw Bruce before the game that we played against him. I was like, bro, like it must be so fun to play with Tyrese. Like, yeah, bro, he just throws that thing around and everyone gets involved. And it's, we score 140 points. And it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. So, um, they're averaging 128 points a game. It's crazy. They're, they're first in off. Well, when we played, they're first in offense at 38th in defense. Yeah. I think they're like close still, but it works. His stats, speaking of stats, speaking of nerding out on stats, he's averaging 26 and 12 and two turnovers, 52, 45, 88. That's never happened, I don't think. You can fact check me there, but. Crazy. The scouting report for Tyrese Halliburton is that you got to shoot him like Steph almost, like how he shoots the basketball. It's crazy. Wow. I mean, it's all just because of how his shot looks, but if he just shot the ball like with a normal looking form, I think he would even they'd be more like, like they'd highly regarded. They rate him like a top three shooter in the NBA if, if it's right. good. Yeah. So it's, it's wild. Yeah, man. It is wild. I think, uh, like I said, I think it was a great success. And uh, hopefully we can bring it home next year and, and we can celebrate the cash prize. Yeah. Um, but last thing, then we can kick it to Kolek. The Cuse. Yep. Big time W. Always great beating Georgetown, but I love that. I don't know. I feel like it might be dramatic to say this. A little bit of like a corner, or a corner turned in that second half, I feel like. like. They were getting, not arrogant, but they were like, I don't know, kind of running up a little bit. I love to see that. If They looked very confident in the second half, and it seemed like a team that was like young and they're Hitting a point in the season now, it's like, all right, we're a third of the way in. We've taken some some tough L's. We lost at Virginia. But it's like either like a make-or-break moment, and they just beat the shit out of them in the second half as the best. It was great. It was great to see Red win, win in that game. And it, it felt like towards the end of the game, like it was getting a little bit heated on both sides. Like a normal Yeah, league. exactly. A little, a little Syracuse. It was like old-school rivalry type of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's cool because even Ed Cooley after, after the game was like, like – a little pissed off about it, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, and that's that, that's always great as well. Two new coaches at the helm, and I think it's gonna be a great series for for years to come. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. I, I think this is the how do I say this without like this is the worst both programs will probably be in the next ten years. So to see that, um, see that, and then see like the trajectory of both programs and what right, yeah, no, I know what you mean. And how Red's recruiting, how Ed Cooley's recruiting, um, and Orange Nation just showing up at, at the Capital One, always, just showing up and, and, and cheering us on to a victory was, was obviously cool to see too. I also liked the uh, 11 a.m. Eastern start on a Saturday morning. Shout out to like the that. schedule makers. I know Adam, it's tough for you on the West Coast, but it was just great. Like, all right, now it's 1:30 on Saturday, and I'm in a great mood because Syracuse won. Like already, you know what I mean? It's just a great start to your day. And then, how do you feel about 11:30 on Sunday? What do you mean? You don't know what I mean. 11:30 p.m. on Sunday. Oh, when the Eagles had lost. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was the worst part. Of, well, 11 p.m. on Sunday for any normal person working a normal job is easily the worst minute of the week. Like, when Sunday Night Football ends, it's the absolute worst thing in the world. When the Eagles get absolutely blown out in the Sunday Night Football game, it was it was real dark. But we made it through. Um, we don't need to talk about that. This is a basketball podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, my fault. Hey, but w- w- one more thing before we kick it over to Tyler. Shout out to Tommy DeVito. We were at Syracuse with him. Yeah, didn't have a close, didn't have a close relationship with him, but obviously, good work, man. You're killing it. Um, obviously, uh, you didn't get the love that you deserved at Syracuse, but you, you had a great year at Illinois, and now you're killing it with the Giants, man. So keep going. It's it's great to see your story. You probably won't hear this, but uh, just know what it's honestly awesome. Show. He's the biggest awesome. story in New York sports right now. Like he's completely turned around the season. Yeah, but um, yeah, unbelievable, <laughs> man. He's uh. He's doing his thing, man. It just show, it just shows you the like the trajectory that sport like sports is sports is the best. Like, it really is. Not to get cheesy, it's the best thing ever. It's the only thing that like a story like this could happen. Unbelievable, man. Mainly because he's playing football, so you need the sport in order for the story to happen. But that's besides the point. <laughs> hey, Patty. But before before we go, we've gotten a lot of I've got a lot of uh, text calls. Um, just people reaching out to me about the whole entire confusion of uh, <laughs> of jet lag. Do, uh, do any, I had no idea what you were going to say. I got real nervous. Do you have any response to uh, the, the haters? And, and First of all, that- uh, I think that's not true. I think maybe, what, two people reached out to you? I've had I, people I in my life that I've asked about. Who reached out to you? I have former coaches. I got grandparents. Former coaches, really? Name the coaches. I got Hart. I got Simeone. Okay, got, we got two. Yeah, but that's former coaches. That's yeah, former. exactly. All right, there we go. So two people reached out. That makes sense. And then, I, then I have family members. I have my my grandparents. I got my dad reaching out to me. I got I, well, I your dad like was there when it happened. Essentially, we talked to him right afterwards. Listen, I will. I will take it on the chin. Was it okay. as dumb as you're saying? I don't believe so. But I was wrong. I no, had but, uh, no. a, a misinterpretation of what it meant. I've also had people in my life. I could start naming people in my life that were like, yeah, I, get, I mean, that, I guess that's kind of dumb, but I kind of thought the same thing as well. Get out. The no, biggest thing is, no, yes, I did. did. I 100% no, you did. did. Not, bro. You're acting like this is the dumbest thing I've ever said on the podcast. I don't even think it's top 10. Well, what does I that say it's... about you then? If that's not exactly, like, that's what I'm saying. I, you guys are picking the wrong thing to like really hone in on. It's a dumb thing. If you go back in the records, there's definitely worse things that I've said. I can't help what people are DMing. I'm sorry. I, I... <laughs> I have access to the DMs too. Not one person is DM'd about it. You would ha- you would have Sheridan saying that was dumb. No, that's not true. Also, Sheridan's probably the smartest person on the podcast. No, I'm giving that to Lewis 10 days out of 10. I'll take All it. Right, well, You're behind I that. don't have any strands that I'm holding on to. I'm not. I'm saying I was wrong. I don't know what else you guys want me to say. No, that's fine. Well, with that, let's kick it over to Tyler Coley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is it fine? <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Tyler was great again. And uh, appreciate you guys listening. We can kick it over to Tyler now, and then you guys will hear Patty's beautiful voice in the outro at the end. So appreciate you guys listening, and, and – and uh, tune back into next week's episode of The Sweater Show. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Sweater Show, everyone. We, we didn't play around this week. We got we got our best guest of all time. If, if we're talking about numbers, we're talking about conversation. Tyler Kolick is back on the podcast. Welcome back, Tyler. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Man, we're happy to have you, man. Obviously, as you guys know from the last time Tyler was on the podcast, we go way back. And uh, we were just talking about fifth and third grade layup lines before the podcast started. So it gives you a little backstory on uh, how far we go back. I mean, first and foremost, how, how are you feeling, man? Obviously, this, this season is, uh, for you guys, it's been a little different this year. You guys have had a tough tough preseason schedule, getting ready for Big East play. How, how would you say it's gone so far? Yeah, I feel like it's been good. You know, we, we've had some success, but we've also had, you know, some rough spots, um, as any great team goes through. And I feel like, you know, one more one more non-conference game and then kind of a little reset, then we get to go into to Big East play. First Biggie's game back home at Providence actually next Tuesday, uh, so so that'll be fun. But no, I think I think we've we've done a great job of just continuing to to grow and, and get to where we want to get to because you know we're never going to be a finished product and and we want to just keep pushing every day in practice. It seems like this year you guys had like just a target on your back from the beginning. Obviously, you guys return almost everyone. You guys lose a first round pick, but you you guys kind of picked up right right where you left off. What was that mindset going into the season? Because as you've seen teams in the past, like UCLA a couple of years ago, they they were top five preseason, kind of like you guys were, and then they didn't have that same success earlier. What was was Shaka just on your ass even more more than ever? Or was it just like, I got this coach. So let, let me just let me just get this for you. No, it's a lot of conversations and with our team, we like to put things out there. Like, you know, obviously it was the elephant in the room. We're gonna be ranked top five in the country. You know, everybody's going to be wanting to come at us. And, you know, I think Coach Smart did a great job putting that out there and, and, you know, getting those conversations happening within the players, not just, you know, him talking at us about it, but, you know, how how we actually feel about the situation. And, you know, coming into the year, I felt like, you know, we did have a target on our back, but we last year we played best when we were the ones attacking. We were the ones, you know, kind of the underdogs. Oh, yeah. And so we wanted to keep that same mentality, and and I feel like we've done a good job of it because we have played some some real tough teams in the non conference. So, have you uh, do you feel like that mindset was like most advantageous going into Maui because that tournament got like so much press? It was probably the best Maui or best Maui field of all time, and you guys kind of went in played Kansas like we're talking about. It, it sounds like it was a perfect scenario for you guys because you're ranked number four, but it's like all right, we got the number one team in the country. Like, people are going to think we're going to lose, and you just absolutely smack them. So do you feel like having that 
mindset that early on in the season and going into a tournament like that, like you come out of it and you're like, okay, we are ranked number five, but there's still going to be these games where you could kind of like tap into that underdog mentality. Yeah, for sure. So we played Kansas. It was three games in three days. We played UCLA, who was supposed to, you know, not be great this year, but they were, they're actually, they're, I think they're going to end up being, being an NCAA tournament team. I think they're going to end up being pretty good. No, they gave good. us a good game. We were down by probably 15 points. Uh, mm-hmm. come back winning. Then next game, played Kansas, beat them pretty good. And then next game, played Purdue. So it was Kansas was number one, Purdue was number two. So we knew, you know, we, we internally talked about, you know, we win this game, we're going to be number one in the country. And I was actually, I actually said to one of the Purdue guys in the game, so we played them last year too uh, at Purdue. And I think it was, you know, big, uh, the Gavit games. And, yeah. you know, we were both unranked at that time. Later we go on, they were one, number one in the country for pretty much half the year. And, and we ended up finishing like six. And, you know, it was kind of a full circle moment for everybody because they had a lot of young guys. We had we had a lot of underclassmen, now upperclassmen, but you know, for a full circle moment from that game when nobody really knew anybody on either roster to to then you know the Maui Championship game on ESPN with you know Jay Billis on the call and all eyes on you. So it was a pretty cool moment. But but keeping that mindset is is something. Even if we're playing, you know, yeah, we want that against Purdue, but yeah, we also want that mindset against our next opponent, St. Thomas, who just came up from Division Three. They're now Division One uh, the past year or two, uh, but you know if we take them lightly, they can beat us. That's how college basketball goes. It's just it's funny the variability in it. Do you uh, sure, do you individually go into these matchups like you're facing Hunter Dickinson, you're facing Edie, and there's so much like fanfare about that individually? Do you one put stock into that like yourself, or are you just trying to like? treat it as any other game and then when you're trying to treat it like another game is it does it become like tough to do that because you guys are just like odds on first teams all-american like you're basically competing for like a national player that your trophy in, in a lot of people's eyes yeah i feel like it's not that personal with the big guys just because they are what they are yeah. i'm not be guarding them i'm not you know they're not really guarding me it's not like oh yeah, tyler cole dominated zach Eady today you know it was you know he dominated his matchup i dominated my matchup so it's not you know, it's not really so much that back and forth, but even even going into some of the games with, with good, you know, Texas has real good guards, but mm-hmm. I'm just trying to make that game about everybody else. And I was actually so Cole Cole knows this guy Russ. Uh, he's actually our mental skills guy. He also works with the Heat. And something I've talked to him about is is just becoming completely selfless in the game, like giving back to everybody else, and then the game will completely give back to you. So going into these games, I try and have the mindset. You know, we played Wisconsin, and in my mind, I was all. I'm shooting 50%. Am I going to continue to shoot 50%? All these things going on in my mind. It's like, no, let's just be free, be clear, focus on everybody else, and then things will happen for you. You know, but if you're focused just on yourself, trying to, you know, I got to do this and that for 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 future things, and you know, the game's not going to treat you the right way. Kyle, it's funny you say that because obviously that's a very complex answer, very well said. But the way you play out there is just like a like a fuck it attitude, right? And obviously, it, there's a lot of things that go into that, being able to have that attitude. What's the balance for you? Because I know the answer for me. What's the balance for you of having that complex answers in your head while also playing with that fuck it attitude and I'm, and I'm going after you? Yeah, that's something that I think, you know, I, I kind of acquired. It's not like, you know, it was in it was in me from a young age. I feel like, you know, I played like that. I was really confident from a young age. 
And then coming into college, I, I've never really faced adversity before. And, you know, I, I had success my first year at George Mason. And then my second year wasn't the way it didn't go the way that I wanted to. And so, you know, then then the thoughts creep in and, it, you know, it's the first time I hit adversity. And, you know, I had to work to get back to where I'm at now to have that mindset like I'm good no matter what happens in this game. You know, I know who I am. I'm secure in who I am. I'm good no matter what. And, you know, it takes takes a lot of time to get back to that point. I'm sure, you know, maybe when you were at Villanova, you went through a little bit of that. And it's, it's tough. It's ad- adversity as, you know, the first time a lot of basketball players hit adversity is college. And it's yeah. like you got it's it's a make or break moment. You either push through it or, you know, you let that adversity consume you and, and it kind of kind of dissipates your career. 100%, man. I, I think a big part of that, your ability to – bounce back from that has been your relationship with Shaka, man. I, I Just seeing you guys out there on the court, they always say the point guard is an extension of a head coach out on the court. I don't think anyone embodies that more than you two. What, what is that relationship like? What has that relationship grown to? Obviously, it's well-documented. You guys have a great relationship. You're on the podium um, after the Texas game, and you, and you, you guys took that personally as well um, as a team, even though Shaka said he didn't take it personally. What is that relationship morphed into, and – and uh, can you just speak on a little bit how much Shaka means to you? Yeah, in our program, one of our core values is relationships. So, and he Shaka has all all this stuff that he talks about, but he lives every single thing that he preaches. So, you know, he talks about relationship with his players. We we talk about relationship, growth, and victory. So, you know, one of our goals this year is to to grow as much as anybody in the country, and uh, you know, and then obviously we value victory. We want to win. Um, so he's about all those things all the time. And, and, you know, our relationship has only grown over the years as, you know, he's kind of gained more trust in me. And, you know, I've given him the, you know, he's kind of given me the keys, but I, I've let him do that, you know, by the way, when I performed on the floor, but also the way that I am in practice, the way that I am in the film sessions, the way I am when nobody's even around to the rest of the guys. It's just, you know, all those little things that he trusts me with, I feel like it's really grown our relationship. A lot of a lot of coaches like to micromanage their team and they need to know every yeah. single thing that's going on. And I think he does a good job balancing just letting us handle things. And, and then, you know, when he really needs to handle things, he does a great job of it. Do you, so the games that I've watched, it seems like this year you've, like there's been more opportunity for you to be off the ball, whether it's like Jones taking the ball up and um, – I don't know. You're you're talking about being selfish, and you're talking about Coach March sort of like mindset towards the season. Was that something you guys identified and and felt like you would implement more either to like conserve energy or have you more as a scorer, or do you just feel like the roster this year is kind of built that way that that you could play off the ball and still be super effective? Yeah, I mean, I like I like playing on the ball. I like playing off the ball. It's kind of just giving people different looks. You know, if I'm bringing mm-hmm. it up the floor every single time, just coming off the same ball screen, there's not much variability in that. Teams can kind of game plan for that. So moving me around a little bit, uh, you know, coming off DHOs from the corner or, you know, just playing as a spot-up shooter, I think it's really opened up a lot in our offense. Just, you know, and sure. the growth of the rest of the guys on the team being able to, you know, coach be, uh, coach having the trust in them to handle the ball and make plays and make decisions has been a big part of it too because, you know, maybe in the past he he wants the ball in my hands every possession. But, you know, now it's – Let's spread it around. Let's get other guys involved because, you know, that ba- that basketball is energy. If I have the ball the whole time, then th- those guys aren't, aren't going to want to play defense. Like maybe maybe I'm getting them open shots and stuff like But, you know, if, if, if the ball is popping around, everybody's touching, everybody's feeling good, they're going to feel good on the other end too. So just getting more, more guys involved, getting more guys feeling good about themselves. 
I think that's such a high level basketball IQ, knowing that a you can get everyone involved by by you passing the ball. But Cam worked on his game over the summer. David worked on his game over the summer. Oso obviously does things at a really high level. Like you understand that these guys want to showcase what they can do and what they worked on over the summer. So even though you could get these guys shots every single time on the floor, Cam, you bring it up. You 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 get a shot. You you get us into offense. And one thing I will say about your your guys' offense, I usually playing in the G League and NBA, the offenses are so much more complex, right? And a lot of college basketball offenses feels like we're back in like 1982, bigs in the block. Marquette, I love watching you guys play because you guys play a pro style offense. And I don't know if that's Nevada. I don't know if that's Shaka just adapting. Um, but I think that allows for a lot more of your guys to get involved. How, can you speak on that a little bit? Like, obviously, you've you've been in a system with George Mason where you, you got to shoot threes, you got to come off and staggers, but it probably wasn't like this ball, ball screen centric offense, the move, the player movement that you guys have. Can you, can you talk to that? Yeah, George Mason, it was, it was a lot of two big sets. Uh, they call it yeah. like Oklahoma old school motion offense. Like that guy, 45 cuts to the basket, swing it. All right. They come off the, the screen doesn't work. Swing it back to the middle, you know, just playing back and forth ball screens. Not, not really enough spacing, but you know, our, you, you mentioned Nevada Smith. He came from the G League. He was um, he was with actually the Sky the, Force. Yeah, the Sky Force. He was the, the head coach of that team. Um, so you know he he implemented a lot of stuff, and, and you know Coach Smart does a great job adapting. And honestly, it goes to to the personnel that that we have. You know, and that you're not throwing the ball out to Zach Eady at the three point line, having him make make reads and plays. You know, but we can do that with Oso. He he can really handle the ball and really make plays for other guys. And you know. Even even he gets it off the he gets it off the board and he's pushing it and then that just that just flattens out the floor so much more because we're spaced and gives him a lot of space. But you know, the different ways that you know we get into different things is because of the personnel we have. And I, I actually said this yeah. people like people like you like you like watching college basketball. I said I hate watching it because I I rather <laughs> watch it because at all times there's there's two non players on the floor at all times in college. Like yeah. they're in there for defense. They're in there for re other things like. On on the offensive end, there's two or three guys that just can't really do much, and it's 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 not really fun basketball to watch, like you were saying. Like, you know, the Big Ten's a lot of that. Like, all right, we got these huge guys. Let's run offense for <laughs> 25 seconds, and then you know, take yeah. a bad shot or throw it into the block. And like, it's just I don't know. I I, I love watching the NBA style, not so much like the ISO ball, but you know, just just the the freedom of movement, the spacing, and a lot of people don't really understand the spacing, and that that's a big thing at the next level. Well, I, when I watch you guys, you guys run a lot of NBA. Like you guys run the pistol action. Do you guys call it pistol? Or you guys call it? Now we call it. Uh, so, so we call it highway. Yeah, yeah. So, highway action is basically clearing out one side with a ball handler. Let's say Tyler's on the block. He flashes up. Cam hits him from the block, and, and that that side with three guys on the other side. Um, you guys run a lot of delay with Oso. That that, that speaks to his passing ability. So I just I just love watching you guys play just just because of that. And I think not getting ahead of ourselves here, but I think the NBA scouts seeing you be able to be in that system, being the being that uh understanding the NBA offense, it just is way more benefit to everyone on your team. If that's you, if that's Oso, if that's I mean, if that's Cam, if that's any of your underclassmen, I think it's it's a big benefit for you guys. And we we've had an NBA guy every you know Justin Lewis gets yeah. these bulls now. Omax goes in the first round, so 
you know, that our style is, is attractive to a lot of teams because, you know, we coach, first of all, Coach Smart, you know, he gets his guys to play so hard and they know that they're great culture guys, great team guys that really care about, you know, not just themselves. So I had a question for you as uh, you watch Tyler Killett as your friend. Are you, like, kind of pissed off you never played with him? Because I feel like he would have been a perfect college teammate for you. Because the thing is, the Tyler that I knew back in the day, I I, I am pissed. He's like a two guard, right? Yeah, he was a two guard. Yeah, yeah. I am pissed I didn't play with him because he he couldn't have came to St. Andrews for for reasons. You know what I mean? St. St. George's was able to take care of him, take care of him and his family. But if he would have came to St. Andrews and played with Brandon and I, I think he would have turned into that that passer earlier. But the Tyler that everyone knew growing up was. The 2,500-point 2, high school score, the, like the guy who's going to get 40, the guy who's going to go off for seven, eight threes and tell Coach Hart how, how many points he's given him on the sideline. Um, <laughs> coach Hart's my high school coach for anyone who doesn't know. But but I think that – I think more than anything, Tyler has the killer mindset but the basketball IQ to be able to adapt in anywhere he's been in. And I think he's proven that from yeah. – Obviously, going to George Mason, being in like that shooting role, and then going to Marquette and turning into a pass first point guard his first year, not and, and and like not having the greatest shooting year, but being effective in every single game that he plays in. So, I don't know, man. I, I just think Tyler's gotten so much better every single year, and like now he's like no offense, Tyler. Like you weren't the greatest defender before. Now you're guarding the second or third best player on every single team. You're, you're taking that challenge. You're picking up full. Um, you're not taking plays off, and I think that you, you've been able to see the attention he's getting from the NBA scouts based off of the improvements that he's made every single offseason. I could always guard you, though. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would play. That's that's a, we would play, and I, I'd always make these tough shots during COVID. Like we played yeah. probably two, three times a week. We were probably the only ones working out in the whole state. We did, we got yeah. in this little gym. I think we talked about it last time, but you know, it just. Those moments is kind of what what shaped us and what what built our friendship even more. So I'm I'm really appreciative for those. It was funny because like we would both make crazy shots on each other, just going back and forth. And we would play twos and threes to twenty one in this little gym that's not even a gym anymore. It was called Riverbend, Half Moon backboards. It was it's racquetball court, Tyler. <laughs> racquetball court. Yeah. So. uh it's just it's just so awesome to see where both of us both of us are now, but obviously seeing Tyler getting back to those scoring ways, well, and basically just controlling the game in every 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 facet of the game, going back to Riverbend. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. But uh, 
But yeah, man, obviously you guys got the Big E schedule coming up. During non-conference, I I always I was always a big like during non-conference, like paying attention to like what teams I'm I'm playing I'm gonna be playing against in the in the Big East. Do you pay a lot of attention to the, the Yukons, the the Creightons, the Villanovas, the the Providences during non-conference? Or do you kind of just wait until the uh the conference season starts to start locking in? Yeah, paying attention probably isn't the right right word. I would say, you know, checking in, like, you know, yeah. checking the scores or checking how much this person had or checking, you know, just little things, little things like that. I'm not so much watching the games or caring who they're playing or not. You know, it's just like, like I saw Villanova had lost, you know, they lost to somebody and then they lost to Drexel. I was like, damn, they they lost a couple in a row. So it's just just little things like that, that, that I noticed. And, but yeah, I've watched maybe, maybe 20 minutes of Big East basketball all year. It's just tough because, like, we, we play on normally the nights that they play too, but then yeah. when, when when we're not playing at night, I'm either taking a nap or I'm back in the gym, so I don't really I don't really have time to watch much. We might what's be headline hunting here, Swatter. Best college basketball point guard hates college basketball. <laughs> like, 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 the Brandon Mil- like the Brandon Miller comment? Who do, you, who do you not know? Chris Middleton? Oh, yeah, he had no idea who he was. That was ridiculous. <laughs> that was ridiculous. But what what is your uh, not not to get off topic here, but what is your schedule like on a week to week basis um, in terms of obviously you, you probably have class, but not excluding class. What's what's your what's your workout schedule like? Because obviously that's a big adjustment for a lot of guys once they once they get to this level in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this year I was actually talking about the other day. I've handled a lot of stuff outside of basketball way better to to give me, you know, more time and more freedom to to do what I want on the floor and then, you know, in, in those workouts. But so normally we practice around one or two o'clock. Uh, so an hour before that, I'll get in the gym. I'll do an individual workout with a uh, GA and a manager. And then you know, we, we got practice for however long till four or five, six o'clock. Um, I'll get some treatment after that, get some dinner, and I'll normally lay down, put on some TV and then I'm back in the gym probably eight thirty nine o'clock uh, for another. I don't really go. So that's another thing. When I was when I was younger, you know, maybe I'd go back in the gym for an hour and a half at night, or, or you know, I'd work out before practice for an hour and a half. Like, and it's like I, as I've learned, it's like the the shorter the better, honestly, because you know you get in there, you you know exactly what you want to work on, you go hard, you you're, you're sharp with it, and, and you get out. It's not you know you don't have to make a thousand shots it's it's you know i'm not at that point where i need to go in there and shoot a thousand shots now let's you know what do i want to work on today do i want to just do finishing do i want to do you know some off the dribble shots just some catch and shoots maybe some movement shots so really you know kind of making a schedule and then picking the little things that i want to do i feel like has really helped me getting to be best friends with the gas and managers is the best thing you can do in college basketball patty and i used to work on the walk-ons too of course walk-ons too yeah (laughs) yeah but so when we were in college, Patty and I would work out every Sunday night together. And then throughout the week, we, we would work out. But we used to play one-on-one-on-one full court. Patty, one of our managers, and myself. You always you, you always have a very unfair advantage, too, because you don't really drink. And this was, like, before the season. It was a Sunday night, and I would be so hungover most of the days. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was great because it would be like, Fitz had to score one point on me. Patty had to score three points on, on both of us, and I just get get like nine. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like just working on just different parts of your game. You don't get to work on in practice, and then we would shoot and finish and all that stuff. But I just think like just finding like like those GAs and managers to help you out is like the biggest thing. Yeah. And 
when when you're when you're at that level because there's only so much you can do like with the coaches and, and everything when it comes to really right. perfecting your craft. Yeah. And the managers at night, so it's you know, they they have laundry at night. So it's whoever has laundry is rebounding for me. And then actually one of my boys uh who just started doing this this year, he'll come in there too, just you know, contest shots or you know, do dribble yeah. handoffs, just do different things that you know I I can't just do with one person. I need two people and, you know, maybe he'll guard me a little bit. Um, so it's, it's, that's definitely, I feel like one thing that's helped me a lot this year. How many managers do you guys have? We got 10 managers. Okay. So Wait. Syracuse had like 30. Yeah. We had 78, I think officially. Yeah. 78 managers. Uh, no, that was no, a lot. No. That was an exaggeration. No, we probably no, actually we... had between all classes, probably like close to 30. Yeah. No, we had 30 managers. So like, <laughs> <laughs> they 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 put in the group chat like Coney's a rebounder and then like six guys would show up. I'm like this is ridiculous. It it was the best, but like sometimes like it would be like almost too much. Yeah. So with our it's a little different because so our managers actually get paid. So they're like they're there like the whole time. So whatever whatever we need, you know, they're there from you know eight or nine to whenever we get out of practice, five or six o'clock, and you know they go to class and stuff. But they're pretty much on the same schedule we are and. So it's like the freshmen get paid, I think three hundred a month. Then the sophomores, oh, wow. get, sophomores get like six hundred a month. Juniors get, uh, I think, nine hundred a month. And then seniors they actually get free housing, and they get like twelve hundred a month. That's what crazy. the hell? Yeah, that's so crazy. It's, it's actually it's it's crazy over here. That's a crazy setup. Yeah. No, but it makes but, sense because like when you're rewarding your managers. Like right. working hard like that, they're just going to invest ten times more, and then it just creates a, a a culture of love, joy, and everything that Shaka talks about. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that even even the GAs too. The GAs, it's not even like you know normal GAs is twelve hundred dollars stipend a month or whatever. You know our, our GAs are our school employees, so they get paid on an hourly basis. So they're in there however many hours, sixty hours, hours a day. A week. They're getting paid, you know, a, a good salary to be a GA. It's crazy. No, that's that's yeah. awesome, man. That's awesome. Marquette community. We love it. That's actually that leads into my next question. Um can you describe for someone who's maybe not from the area or didn't go to Marquette or is just generally not a Marquette basketball fan, what that community's like? Because we figured out like very soon after we had you on the show last time that um they're just like as diehard as they get in college basketball. And you could you could check like Marquette Twitter pages or message boards on like a Tuesday in August, and there's going to be like hoops talk on there, and they're like living and dying with everything that's going on. So, can you just try and like contextualize that for someone who might not be familiar with the whole scene? Yeah, I was, I mean, before I came here, I wasn't familiar with it. I wasn't even really familiar with Marquette at all. It was actually funny. When I was getting recruited, I was going to Holy Cross on a visit, uh, and the guy, Brett Nelson, who was assistant at Marquette, he he was then the head coach at Holy Cross, and he's showing me clips of of Marcus Howard at Marquette, and he's like, "This is how I want you to play here at Holy Cross with us." That's just a funny moment that I go back to. But uh, you know, the community is is special. You know, I think we've been top twenty five in attendance for twenty years running, um, wow. and and it's not even just that. It's you know all the events that we do. There's hundreds of people there. You know, I'm around town in Milwaukee, and and people are people are telling me great game and saying that they're coming to the next game. And, you know, it's because it's not much out here. There's, there's, yeah, the Brewers, the Bucks, but you know, we're we're really the the only major college team in Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, Wisconsin is right there, probably an hour and a half away. But you know, it's 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 a special community because it's not just it's not just Milwaukee. It's Illinois too. You know, Northern Illinois. We get a lot of a lot of those people. But 
like like you were saying that the Twitter, the the market Twitter is really active. Everybody's active on Instagram, uh, so it's it's definitely a good community. And obviously, you have the old timers coming in and, and and coming back to the pro like Dwayne Wade's at, at at you guys tournament in Maui. Obviously, Deaner is is really involved with the program, so it's always great to see that stuff too. I mean. I don't know if it was a picture of you or one of your teammates. Someone hit a three and they looked and like D Wade's up, like screaming, yelling. Like that, that's so cool. Yeah, that was in Maui. That was Cam. He hit a three. But yeah, I feel like, you know, a lot of the times you know, they have it at Syracuse, they have it at Duke, they have it at Kentucky. It's like a lot of the teams with the same coaches, the yeah. guys are coming back and, and you know, just, just working out or at practice or talking to the guys. And I feel like, you know, Marquette hasn't had the same coaches, obviously, but the the player community is is special, and everybody still comes back. So it's been something something good to see. I mean, spe speaking of that, Jimmy Jimmy Butler and Jamal Kane got packages from Marquette today with like just straight Marquette gear. Yeah, like it's just stuff like that that makes every everybody so close. Like, what Jimmy do with it? Uh, I don't think Jimmy's seen it. It was in his locker though. <laughs> yeah, he's actually the one guy. That hasn't came back, said anything, or, you know, hasn't really like supported us at all since since Coach Smart's been here. I would say Jimmy's very locked in on on what he's doing in the moment. You know what yeah, I mean? Sure. And, uh, I mean, it's it's so funny. Like Jamal obviously transferred to grad transferred at Oakland last year, and uh, he claims Marquette more than anything now that you guys are, are killing it. So, uh, <laughs> shout out to my boy Jamal, man. He's definitely repping Marquette proud with the Heat. <laughs> sure. And we got, I mean, now we got, you know, six or seven guys in the league. Uh, you know, obviously D Wade's probably our our biggest alum, but you know, the 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 basketball side of things is definitely growing and, and the community just you know, as they do better, then the community just continues to grow as well. Yeah, man. Obviously wrapping up here, Tyler. Thank you for coming on, bro. Um last question for me. So going into like Big East play, going into obviously a, hopefully a long tournament run. What is the mindset just to – obviously, we, we know the political answer of just staying down, staying focused, but is there anything different from your mindset going into, like, this last part of the year, um, like, to, to make it obviously obviously the best run you can? And then it, it could be the last stint of your college career. Does that, does that have anything that goes into your mind? Yeah, definitely. I don't think that's really crossed my mind much, um, even though it's becoming more and more real. Um, yeah, you know, this, this, you know, before the year, it's kind of, you know, 75, 25, I'd love to come back. Cause you know, it's, it's college basketball, you know, there's a fanfare, you know, do I want to, do I want to fight to go to the NBA or do I want to, you know, be one of the faces of college basketball? And that's, that's a tough decision. And, you know, it's, it's honestly made it even tougher now because of, you know, all the NIL stuff going on. Um, but, you know, just, just trying to trying to enjoy every little thing, you know, enjoying the practices, enjoying the film sessions, enjoying the the nights out with not not like you know the nights at you know on Friday night we got a a Christmas party at Coach Smart's house nights like that just hanging with the guys just getting closer and you know, just enjoying and cherishing all those little moments. I feel like it's something that I've really had on the front of my mind and you know even going into all these games, Pfizer Forum sold out crowd standing there you know we do they do like this thunderstruck chair where they go like this right before the game just now i'm standing i'm standing in the back of you know of the, of the jump ball and just looking up into the student section looking around like just trying to cherish all, all that and just knowing that you know this could be my last year but so just trying to make the most of it uh for sure man that's 
it's obviously a great answer. I, I always think like when, when you're not focused on the, you're not putting pressure on the result. You're not putting pressure on your individual performance and you and, and you just love being around these guys every single day and love being around your coach and, and, and obviously seeing your family at the games and everything like that. Um, it always makes it easier, man. Obviously, yeah. Patty, got anything else for, uh, for Tyler? No, I was going to say, we got, we got some very profound answers. That was, that was good shit there, but, um, no, I'm all good. Thanks for, thanks for joining us again. Um, I think besides, besides Q's, this, this pod is, Giant Marquette fans for the rest of the year, so uh, we're pulling for you. Marquette crowd on the on the Swider show. Yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you definitely pulled them in the first time, man. You definitely pulled them <laughs> yeah, in the first time. time. So, so, so we're planning we're planning for a big time episode. But uh, not Tyler. Thank you again, man. Obviously, great great talking to you. Rooting for you for the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, man. Whatever you need, I'm here for you, bro. Definitely appreciate you having me, man. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. At Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show, and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, swidershow at gmail.com. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week. Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast and our executive producer, it's Adam Lewis. Swider Show was created by Cole Swider, Patty Casey, and producer Adam Lewis. All rights reserved. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.